counties, and nice to see some other counties folks here, including uh, John and Brenda Welcher, very well known, of course, in this area. Um, there is a table out at the back and um, on the seats. Most of you will have got one of these little booklets, brand new booklet just, just a month or so ago called This Is Counties. So that will tell you much more than I'd be able, able to do in the few minutes that I'm going to share uh, right now. I wonder if you could put the uh, PowerPoint up uh, for me, Kevin. Um, also at the back uh, is a book, brand new book. I mean, this literally is hot off the press. They arrived at the office on uh, Wednesday called Making Jesus Known Today and Tomorrow. Most of the contributors are counties evangelists. And uh, there is no charge for this book. So there are 20 copies, first come, first served. If you'd like to uh, take one and you'd like to make a contribution to the work of counties, if you're smart enough to use a smartphone... Don't ask me to help you, but if you're smart enough, um, there's a QR code on the back which is working, and you just click on that. It'll take you to our homepage on your phone, and you could make a donation in lieu of the book if you want to that way. But we want to use the book to bless and encourage people to make Jesus known, and that is, is what our mission statement is about, making Jesus known and inspiring and equipping local churches. Many of our evangelists are involved in schools work, though not uh, all. It's not um, particularly part of uh, Stephen's uh, calling uh, and ministry, of Stevie's calling ministry. But our evangelists who do visit schools in a 12-month in a period last year visited over 1,000 schools or made over 1,000 school visits and saw 190,000 uh, different children. I don't think that slide's working. There are some other information uh, that I can give you. Our evangelists gave away last year somewhere around 30,000 pieces of Christian literature, took over 1,500 speaking and preaching engagements, spoke to over 80,000 people. One of our evangelists it runs an online ministry, Matt Rich, uh, runs chatnow.org, chatnow.org, and Matt, along with others who work online, reached in that 12-month period 305,000 people through online ministry. That's just remarkable. The fields are white and ready for harvest. And so counties evangelists are seeking to encourage people to hear the gospel and to respond to it. We're aware of about a thousand people who made a profession of faith or made a, a declaration of a commitment to Jesus Christ. And of course, there are many others that we won't know about at all. We're heavily involved in the work of church planting as well. Some of our evangelists are particularly focused in planting churches, uh, many of them more so in these days into old, closed or empty gospel halls or gospel chapels. Uh, one, one of those, um, using uh, under the banner of County's Planting Network and having been trained through the M4 program, nothing to do with the motorway, but uh, a Europe-wide training program for church planters, and we've now trained uh, over 14 churches in the UK in the last four years, church planting teams. Uh, one of those is Clive Cornish. Um, by the way, that I left that slide on there, even though it's Europe, not the UK, but one of my most moving experiences this year was standing on, I was going to say a full-size map of Europe, but <laughs> for an Irish man, it was pretty big. That's a map of Europe on the floor, and uh, teams from 17 nations stood behind it, and then we stood on it, and we prayed. It was, a, it was amazing to, to 
with the UK team, some counties folks and some from other denominational groups, to kneel on the United Kingdom and Ireland and pray for it. Pray for salvation. Pray for evangelists and workers to be raised up and sent out. The picture on the right is actually the um, Ukrainian and Russian teams stood together on Ukraine on the map, on Ukraine, and praying together for one another and everyone else gathered around them. Just such a moving occasion. And so M4 connects us with church planting movements all across Europe and counties as part of that here in the UK. Clive Cornish um, says of Ely, where he is, uh, he is working, people don't want to move to Ely, it's like the Bronx of Cardiff. Ely Gospel Hall closed a number of years ago and uh, Ely became famous again sadly on the news in the spring this year. You may remember the terribly sad story of two boys on an electric bike who were being chased it seems by, the, by a police van and they crashed the bike into a bus and they were killed and died on the scene. The, the, the photographs there are of some riots that took place overnight. Uh, after that incident and they took place some of the events took place right outside Clive and Fiona Cornish's home but Clive is replanting into the old Ely Gospel Hall reflect community church is rising up and is grown from the ashes of that old work reflecting the love of Jesus to people whoever they are and the Lord is filling that place during the week they've got a cafe and they're seeing amazing things happen. So supporting evangelists involved in schools, involved in church planting. In our uh, magazine, you'll be able to read the story of Rob. That's Rob on the photograph, and he's on the front of our Ignite magazine. If you're not subscribed to it, there is on the little form that Stevie and his uh, support group have provided the opportunity to register onto our database to receive Ignite, the county's quarterly magazine. And Rob, who was an atheist, has come to faith in Christ through the work of Clive and Fiona there on Ely Estate. Just a wonderful story of an atheist, from atheist to believe in Jesus. We have school resources as well. I know Jesus Life has been down in this area. It was, of course, previously a, an HGV trailer, now running in classrooms. And in the, uh, the year from April last year to March this year, it did 58 schools and saw 22,500 young people. Again, the figures, uh, sorry, the slide hasn't come out properly. The Life Exhibition visited 18 venues, that's for primary schools, seeing over 10,000 children. In total, in fact, our school's resources saw 40,000 young people and children exposed to the news, the good news of Jesus, people, men and women, going from local churches into their schools, or through children visiting the church building through the Life Exhibition. 40,000 children in a year hearing the good news of Jesus through the work of Jesus' life and the Life Exhibition. One to Lead uh, is training young people, and we're really committed to that. We're using Menadju as one of our venues, and there was a Young People's Weekend with, I think, 10 or 11 young people just a couple of weekends ago. Discipling, mentoring, equipping, raising up a new generation. And uh, if you'd like to know more about sending young people on a One to Lead weekend, then please come and speak to me or to one of the other county's folks who are here. 
And then just uh, wrapping up what I'm going to say at this point, Cities Connect. We've got a conference set coming up uh, next uh, in two weekends' time. And we're fully booked. We've had to put on the website no more bookings. We've got 275 people booked into our Connect weekend. And Connect is the banner under which we want to connect more closely with local churches. Historically, Counties has been and will continue to be about supporting evangelists like Stevie and Natalie. And I'm so delighted to be here as part of your commendation day. I remember mine as though it was yesterday. And some of you are looking at me and saying it wasn't yesterday, was it, Martin? <laughs> no, it wasn't yesterday, but it was uh, about 32 or 31 years ago uh, in ross on Y when I stepped out as the Olympics evangelist for Hereford and Worcestershire. So we're going to continue to support evangelists and church planters, but we want to network much more closely with local churches to inspire and equip. And it's great, Andrew Conlon is, uh, is here, Stephen Kamer here, great to have you here. And um, Andrew is our Southwest uh, Regional Connector. So part of that connect work is seeking to see how we can help you in local church work to make Jesus known. I mentioned the conference, but it's already full, so there's no point in advertising it. Subscribe to Ignite and do pray for us. The key really is prayer. With Ignite comes out our, daily, our quarterly praise and prayer guide. And um, evangelists, as long as they write to us and tell us what they're doing, get mentioned in here. Now and again, we get a little note from a regional supporter saying, our evangelists never mentioned. Believe you me, John used to get that in the office about me. Because evangelists are notoriously, let's say, not brilliant at communication in terms of letting people know what they're doing. But counties are really determined to get prayer support for our evangelists. So do pray. Do subscribe. It's absolutely free, the magazine and the quarterly prayer guide. And it would be just wonderful if you're able to partner with us in the work of counties. Thanks very much, Dave. Bless you. So Stevie's going to come out now. Just talk a little about calling and what he's doing and how we can support him. Thank you, Stevie. Morning, everybody. Thank you so much for coming. I find it difficult talking about myself. Um, it's great. We were just praying in the back room and we were just praying, you know, Lord, may uh, your name be glorified in what, in what goes on today. There's a couple of verses which, you know, it's so exciting reading God's word. Is, it's so important and we can get so much out of it. Um, and I, I came across these verses a few weeks ago. I always write stuff down. Um, when, I, when I come across things, and it's Acts 21. Um, and it says, On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. When he had greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. And it's just a, a great reminder, isn't it, that we, need, that we glorify the Lord for, for the work which he's doing. It's not, about what I, what, it's not about what I'm up to, really. It's about what the Lord's doing. Um, so I just want to thank you once again for coming. I want to thank you for your encouraging words. I want to thank you for your encouraging prayers. Um, and I want to thank you for the financial support that some of you um, get involved in as well. Um, and it, it really is a great encouragement for myself and for, for Natalie. Um, 
I'll just share about uh, my call um, as I feel the Lord's called me. Um, so basically when I was about 17, I turned my back on the Lord. I went my own way. Um, and um, yeah, I didn't want anything to do with church or anything like that. And then in 2012, I went for a really tough time. Uh, my marriage went um, turned upside down um, and I ended up um, going through a divorce. And I was on the rock bottom, you know, I, I didn't know where to turn to. Well, I did know where to turn to. I turned to God. Um, you know, I was in a really difficult time and I was really struggling. So I cried out to the Lord and asked him to help me. And obviously he helped me. <laughs> Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call unto me and I will, I will help you. I'll see along those words. Um, or I will hear you. So um, in 2012, I started coming back to church. I got great support from everybody here. Um, I also met my wife Natalie. We we were married. We got married in 2013. We have seven children between us. I think all of you know that anyway. Um, yeah. So um, I, I, I was coming to church. I really enjoyed coming to church. I was a guy sat in the back corner, quiet, quiet person. Never spoke to anybody. I still, I'm, I'm still the same now. I try and sit in the back corner. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but I enjoyed coming to church, I enjoyed listening to the sermons and singing and, and praising God. But I was never interested in, in doing anything else. I was just quite happy just coming in and sneak out quietly, not talk to anyone or anything like that. Um, we had Peter Glasgow one Sunday. Or we used to have him quite a lot, quite often Peter Glasgow preaching. And one of his sermons once, he said he was talking about the Christian life and how it was like a, a cruise ship. You've got the people underneath working hard, making sure everything's going along. Um, and you've got the people on the top deck just chilling out on the sun deck, just relaxing. And I was like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I'm quite happy. I'm chilling out. I'm relaxing on the top deck. Um, and just something just kind of stuck with me. I was thinking, well, maybe, maybe I should be doing something for the Lord. Maybe I should be working for him. Maybe I should be, um, you know, on the bottom uh, doing some work. So, um, yeah, I just enjoyed, I felt something was happening. Um, I knew the Lord wanted to talk to me about something or he wanted to share something with me, I'm not sure. Um, so I, I carried on coming to, to church, obviously, and I kept coming and listening and I was asking God, you know, what is it you're going to do? I wasn't sure what was happening. And then one day um, we had George and Harry Clayson come to our church. Uh, George shared his testimony and they spoke about how they go out, how they go out onto the streets and share the gospel with people. And George mentioned about street preaching. And something just clicked. I was like, what is that? So um, I ended up talking to George in the evening. Um, and he, was, he shared some YouTube clips, etc., which, which I should go home and watch. So I spent um, a lot of time uh, talking to George. And um, I spent a lot of time on YouTube watching street preachers and people um, you know, standing up for the faith. Um, and I really loved it. I really enjoyed preaching these things. And I thought I'd love, I'd love to be able to do that, but it's not something that I can do. You know, I'm not knowledgeable enough. Um, I'm, it's just not me. So I just kept on reading and uh, watching stuff, and I just kept learning things. I was learning how how to how to um, how to share our faith. And I was learning how to answer questions. People have questions all the time. You know, there is no God. You know, all the questions. Why is there suffering in the world? So I just kept watching these things. And I started reading books. 
Um, I learned a lot through reading books, who'd have thought it. <laughs> I never, never read a book in my life up until about, um, yeah, probably 10 years ago. Um, I just loved reading uh, books on how to share faith, books on evangelism. So from that, I was asking the Lord to, you know, what is it you want me to do? So um, there was a, a monthly car boot outreach that Great Parks organised. So I went out to, to help. Um, um, we have a, they had a stall and loads of leaflets and books and things to give away. So I started helping on that. I went out with Vic um, to watch how Vic um, went up to the traders and gave um, like a good news newspaper and tried to talk to the traders. And then Vic said, you go off and do that side and I'll do this side. I was like, no, thank you. I'm not, not doing it on my own. But I went for it anyway. Um, and it was, it was okay. Um, so that was that. That was once a month. And I wanted to do more. I was thinking, what more can I do? That I'm only doing that once a month. And I, I just had this desire to do more. Um, so I was asking God to help me to know um, what, what could I do. And as I, as I said, um, me and George became good friends. And George um, started, uh, he wanted to do an open air in Paynton Town Centre. And he invited me along. So um, I, was, I was well up for that. I was like, yes, let's do this. I'm really excited. Um, so on the Saturday, I was praying for rain because I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was extremely nervous. Um, George had messaged me. He said, I'm on my way. I'm going to pick you up. I was like, oh, no. Is this really happening? Um, I'm feeling really nervous. Because George had suggested that I write out um, like a sermon, or, well, a preach, something to, a message to share. So I'd written it out and I was ready to go, but I was just so nervous. Um, so I sat in, in my bed on the Saturday morning, um, looking out the window, looking at the sunshine. I was like, oh no. <laughs> I opened my Bible. Uh, I was flicking through the Bible and, and, and I came across um, Exodus. Um, and it talks about Moses. When Mo, Mo, it's, uh, I think it's chapter 4, it's verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. So I read that in the morning. I was like, oh, great. I'm going to have to go now, aren't I? Um, so I went out. I was faithful to the Lord. Um, and I went out. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed being in town and just speaking about Jesus in town. It, it is, it's an amazing thing to do. So... Um, I, I was doing a couple of things like that, um, and I, I was still, I still had this feeling I wanted to do more, and I didn't know um, what I could do about it. I was driving, I was a full-time lorry driver, I did that for 16 years. Um, I obviously, you know, we have a mortgage and children to, children to, to pay for, <laughs> um, and I, I just wanted to do more, and I didn't know what I could do, how, how I could do more. Um, so... I, I, yeah, I was trying to do as much as I could. And also, there was another feeling that I wasn't good enough. Um, I'm not clever enough. Uh, you know, I don't know, you know, you, you see lots of um, older people who are very knowledgeable of the Bible and things, and I just felt like I, I'm not enough. I can't, do, I can't do this anyway. So I'll just do little bits when I could. 
And then I came, I came across another portion of the Bible, um, and it's when um, Peter and John were stood before the leaders in Acts chapter 4, and it says, verse 13, uh, when the leaders saw the courage of Peter and John and realised they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And that really spoke to me. These men, these Peter and John, they were unschooled. You know, they weren't very knowledgeable. Well, they were knowledgeable about Jesus, and they'd spent time with Jesus. And that really spoke to me. I really felt, you know, I can spend time with Jesus. We can all spend time with Jesus, can't we? And we don't need to be, uh, you know, you don't need, we don't need to go to Bible college and things like that um, to be able to share our faith. So that really helped me um, in my times of doubt. Um, so I started, after a time, I started leading um, Sunday morning services at, at Great Parks. Um, and I was doing outdoor preaching quite a lot. And I just realized that something was happening. I realized that the Lord was using me. So um, I wanted to do more. Like I said, obviously I wasn't sure how to do it. And I came across counties. Counties do an evangelism training program. Um, and it's a 12-month program. So I sent off my details. Um, and I was accepted onto the training program, a 12-month training program. Um, so that was exciting, obviously. Um, I was able to cut down from working five days a week to three days a week. Um, and counties actually were able to give me a, a gift which helped towards uh, my drop in income. Um, I managed to cut down all my monthly bills. I, I got rid of an expensive car, started running a cheap car um, and things like that so that, so that my, our monthly outgoings were less. Um, so yeah, I was accepted onto the evangelism training program with counties. I started preaching once or twice uh, in churches. Um, Evangel Gersten was the first church I preached in outside of Great Park. I'm really grateful for the opportunities they've given me. And also, I was only able to take off uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and it turned out that the training days at counties were mostly on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So that was just an amazing, amazing uh, sign from the Lord. Um, the very first thing that you do as a county's uh, trainee, as a county's trainee, you go up to the head office and have an induction. And that was on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. And it went out that I wasn't working on Tuesdays and Wednesdays anymore. So it's just amazing the way things worked out, the way the Lord worked things out. And also um, on Tuesdays at Great Branch Chapel, we go out on the doors. We go out door knocking. So I was able to do that a little bit. I hated it to start off with. Um, it was really scary, but now I absolutely love it. <laughs> absolutely love that. Um, started a, I was able to start a coffee morning or help Evangel Gerson start a coffee morning on Wednesdays, which has been absolutely great, a real encouragement. And um, recently had some baptisms because of that. Two chaps, well, I know one chap was definitely because of the coffee morning. I'm not sure about the other one, but we've recently had two baptisms. And then, um, well, just before that, um, George moved away, which was a real shame for me because I enjoyed working with him. But I carried on the open air preaching on a Saturday and it still goes on. It's been going on for years and I'm very grateful that the Lord sent Nigel down, Nigel Wilson from the Faith Mission. Uh, we work together really well and we do that together um, along with other volunteers. Um, 
Yep, so that's that. And now the evangelism training program. Now that's not a guaranteed uh, that you'll become a full-time evangelist. It's just a training program. Um, at the end of it, you can do what you like. You can go back to work. You can, um, yeah, do whatever you, whatever you like. Like I say, it's not guaranteed. But I really felt that the Lord was calling me into uh, evangelism, into full-time ministry. I was being really encouraged by lots of churches. Most of you are here. Um, and it's really encouragement to have you all here today. Um, but I, I felt, um, like I say, it was, the Lord was calling me. Um, but the thing was, at the time, I didn't really have the, the financial support. I didn't have enough work to do, if that makes sense. So, um, county suggested that I set up a, a CLG, which is the county's link group. Now, that consists of Dave Santa, Lawson Jury, and John Field. <laughs> um, and I, so I set up these three people, and um, they are a support group who pray, and also they helped... Um, just tell people about who I am and what I'm up to. And if it wasn't those, I don't think I would probably be here right now. Um, they've been such an, a massive support to me. Within um, a couple of months of setting up the group, I was offered um, to interview to become a full-time evangelist with County because of the support that um, had come, the network, the support that had come around to help me. So I was interviewed in um, July to, be, uh, to become a, a full-time evangelist with counties. And I was obviously successful. So I handed notice in after 16 years of driving a lorry, which was very, very strange. The last time I parked my lorry up, it was very strange. Um, and then on the, well, I think it was like the, the 1st of September was the Friday. That was the last day that I drove my lorry. So it was very, very strange. Um, it's great to be available now. I have, you know, all the, I have seven days a week. I can help people. I can help churches. There's people that, um, I've, who I've met who we can go out together and share Jesus with people. Um, I still don't feel like I'm good enough a lot of the time, most of the time. Uh, but I came across a really encouraging quote, um, and it was this. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. So, yeah, so it's very strange being self-employed. It's very strange having all this time to serve the Lord. It's a, it's, you know, it's, it's a weird routine to get into. Um, and I felt a bit uh, like maybe I don't have enough things to talk about, but um, enough things doing at the minute. I had, a, I had a good chat with someone who spoke to me, and he said, um, this, this first, this start of this ministry is laying foundations. Um, you know, working things out and, and laying the foundations of, of what's going to be, what, what we're building on, what I'm building on. Um, so, yeah, um, regularly I'm going out Tuesdays, door knocking in this area. Wednesdays I go out regularly. Uh, we do a coffee morning at Evangel Gerst and we get lots of people coming in who are unsaved. I share a gospel message every week. Um, and then on Wednesday afternoons, I spend some time in Totnes giving out leaflets and um, preaching once a month every, on a Saturday in Paynton Town Centre. And then there's other things which I do in between. So I was out on Monday, just gone, um, doing some open-air preaching in Totnes with a chap called Dan, who I've met. Um, 
so yeah, that's what I that's what I feel the Lord called me into. I, I was talking to someone on Thursday. I said I really enjoy door knocking and and standing in town talking to strangers. And and people say, really, that's really really strange. How would you enjoy that? And I don't. I think it's strange that people don't enjoy that. I don't know, <laughs> um, but that's what I enjoy doing, and I feel that's what the Lord's called me into do. But I'm keen to work with churches. I'm keen to work with people all over Devon and beyond. Um, to help them share Jesus with people in the local community. So if you'd like to know anything else, then please come and speak to me. If you'd like to come out with me, please come and speak to me. I'd love to come out with you and, and help you talk to people about Jesus. If there's any questions, then uh, yeah, come and speak to me. I think I've said everything. Thank you. You know, it's always, uh, for me, it's always a great encouragement to see how people, how the Lord calls people. Because it's something which you can look back on time and time again. When things are not going so well, you reflect back on how the Lord called you. And it's lovely to hear how the Lord called Stevie. We're going to have another song now, after which the leadership of Great Parks and Gersty Evangel will come up and they will share some words of commendation. So our next song is All the Way the Saviour Leads Me. It'll be on the screen or stand and sing.
I thought I'd put a shirt on today, so it's official, official business. <laughs> Good to see you all, and uh, yeah, welcome to Great Parks Chapel. Um, and it's great to see so many people, people from all areas, um, people that used to be in Devon, um, and good to see them as, as well. So I'm going to say a few words on the behalf of the leadership of Great Park, and then Kevin's going to pray, and then a similar from um, Gerton as well. Um, so I um, first knew Stevie when he was the age of 12. Um, pro- possibly before that, but I don't remember, I remember that really. Um, so I used to visit um, with family up in Lancashire, and um, met um, Stevie up there and my future wife, Gemma. Um, so I am um, Stevie's brother-in-law. So I'm, yes, so Stephen was, six, well, I say Stephen, uh, was 16. I, uh, Stephen was 12, I was 16. And at that point, I was actually taller than him. Um, um, so, so a lot has actually changed in those many years. Um, less hair, um, more grey. Um, and lots, lots of things have changed um, in um, Stephen, as we've seen, many of us have seen over, over the years. So he was very, very shy. Um, Gemma and Stephen were very similar, so to say a lot, and lots of things have changed in that as well. So they, they, they say a lot more than they used to. Um, a lot of things have changed. Um, so as a church, we've seen Stephen change many ways. Um, he's alluded to it a lot in his, in his what he said this morning, hasn't he? Around sitting at the back of the church, not saying anything, being very quiet, um, and we see that God, how God has stirred something up in in him to change in that, and he, and how God is equipping him. So, but as a church, we've been over the years very active uh, in evangelism and keen to go out and also have things in this church as well. To, to spread the good news of salvation, reaching a, 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 a lost people, some lo- you know people who are, who are lost salvation. So if, yeah, a few years ago we approached counties um, as we were starting to talk about maybe that um, concept of having a, a county evangelist in this area, and that was very much our prayer at the time, um, as we wanted to step out more in faith in evangelism. And as part of that, don't you remember um, we had a counties. Um, Counties UK Day, Counties UK Conference here at Great Parks. And I'd like to share a clip to listen to your own voice, I'm afraid. Um, so there's a, a clip I'd like you to listen to. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. I can just add to uh, Lawson's uh, welcome and thanks for uh, you coming along this afternoon, this morning. And this afternoon, it's great to, uh, great to have you here. And um, thank you to the folks in Great Parks Chapel for hosting us. And uh, we're looking forward to having lunch together with you as well. As we were praying together in the uh, in the back room, one of the things that uh, uh, one of the evangelists prayed for that was that the Lord would use today, perhaps to stir in someone's heart a sense of calling to step out in faith, to step out and to serve the Lord. And um, uh, we're hoping to at uh, to partner, for example, with Great Park Chapel. We would love to see an evangelist. Established a project here to work in this part of South Devon, based at the church here. So, if um, if that prayer is answered, which we pray every morning at Frankie's office, we stop. It's supposed to be 10:02. Apparently, Luke 10 verse 2 says, "Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into and send them into this harvest field." Um, the new boy I just took on the road from John Wilkes uh, about 18, 19 months ago. I was sat at 10 o'clock waiting for the prayer time to start, 
and the other staff came up with a coffee about five or ten past and said, it's roughly ten and two. <laughs> and I sat there. Okay, that's roughly ten and two. But we do stop and pray every day at the company's office for that specific thing. The Bible is at workers and send them out into his office to Yes, we've seen an amazing um, change in in Stephen and fulfilment, isn't it, of of, uh, many prayers. Um, So, yeah, from Stephen sitting at the the back of church, um, I've seen many things in his life. And as he as he said in his starting part, you know, about his you know first marriage and and how um, we support him as a family through that. But now, you know, to leading service, preaching, door to door, street evangelism. Um, how he's following God's call to be a full-time evangelist, evangelist stepping out in faith, you know, in, in you know, not just financial uh, difficulty, you know, supporting a family, um, but stepping out in faith to, to reaching a, a people that are going to a lost eternity. So fulfillment of many people's prayers that God would send out someone into his harvest field. So God has stirred Stevie's heart in this way, and it's evident to us all. <coughs> Uh, the practice of commendation comes from the record of Paul's missionary journeys. Paul was active in ministry in growing church in Antioch. He and Barnabas became aware of God's call to evangelize and plant churches. While the leaders were fasting, so in Acts 13, and praying about this, the Holy Spirit indicated to them all that God had called both of them to his work. Then the church laid their hands on them to mark as a mark of identification and prayed for them. In doing so, they commended them or handed them over to God for his care while they were on their way, you know, while they were um, on their missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas spent the next two years evangelizing and making disciples, which resulted in new churches. Having accomplished their goals, they returned to Antioch from where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had now accomplished. So we, the leadership team, at Great Parks Chapel on behalf of the congregation of GPC, commend Stevie to God for this work that God has stirred in Stevie's heart to do. We as a church will continue to support Stevie, Natalie and the family as they step out in faith and obedience. And we pray that through this evangelism and outreach across the area, that people will be saved to the glory of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we just thank you for bringing us all together here this morning to um, celebrate this day of commendation for Stevie and Natalie and the rest of the family. Lord, we pray and thank you um, for the word that you gave to uh, Peter Glasgow many years ago that touched the heart and set the fire alight in uh, Stevie's heart and mind. Lord, we thank you for the times um, over the years where different things have been put in place uh, different ideas, different prayers have been answered, as already been mentioned, through um, working with county very early on, and the, the idea of having an evangelist here, like we used to have years ago in the area, helping many churches, not just here at, um, <clears throat> at Great Parts, but uh, many uh, churches in the um, South Devon area, and we thank you um, through your um, work and your providence and your uh, leading that you brought Stevie to this place now. Lord, we thank you for the training team, we thank you for the support that Stevie has had through his uh, support team and the way that us able to bring things together um, so um, we can come to this day here. 
but we also look back and we think of the early days uh, when Steve was very nervous just to ask for two days off and was uh, and also even more nervous about um, um, quitting his job. But Lord, we know that you were, uh, look back in hindsight, we can see and we've just heard Stevie's story. Uh, we understand how your hand has been through all through uh, Stevie's life in the last few years, building him to this point. But Lord, we just pray now for protection uh, for Stevie and the rest of the family. Um, he says he's got seven days to do whatever you want him to do. I know that's how he feels. But Lord, he needs time for himself, uh, for his family. And we just pray that you'll protect him um, from the fiery darts that are going to come from the devil through the work that he's doing. We just pray for discernment through us as leaders and church leaders as we put... Um, ask him to do or get involved with different things, Lord, but we just pray and um, for the family that you'll help him to spend the time that he needs to get that part right as well. Lord, we thank you that he is part of our local family here, and as we see less of him, we just, just pray for a discernment amongst us that we allow um, um, uh, us to equip him in the way that he needs uh, to do your work, whether it be with other people that go out with him or financial support, wherever it may be. And we thank you, Lord, for your provision uh, for this. It has been made uh, put in place that this can we can come to this day today. So, Lord, once again, we do just pray for safety in the travelling around. Uh, we just pray for clarity in what you want uh, Stevie to do in the way that you, and the way and where you want him to go to spend his time. And we do just pray for those individual individual conversations that you'll be having with uh, many different people that have never heard the good news, Lord. And we just pray that you'll be before him, be the, uh, given the words to say, Lord, as, um, as we know he is still that quiet person that sits at the back of the church still. But we just thank you for the miracle that you've worked in, Stevie, and the way you've transformed him um, through knowing your son, as he mentioned earlier. So, Lord, we just thank you, bless him and his family. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Greetings in the wonderful name of Jesus, uh, Gerson Chapel. I'm looking now at uh, a sprinkling of uh, our wonderful uh, congregation who have come here today to celebrate this day and commendation for, for Stevie. And um, so I've just got something that I'm going to read out just now. We've got, um, the, there are two of us elders here this morning. Uh, a third elder, unfortunately, is missing. He's just had a pacemaker fitted, and uh, he couldn't be here today, but he sends in love. And our um, pastor, um, Pastor Ian Haxham, I'm going to read out a, uh, a message from him, and no, anyone who knows Pastor, pastor Ian He's a man of very few words. Uh, no. <laughs> but he's sent me something through to express to Stevie and Natalie uh, from his heart. Dear Stevie and Natalie, I'm so sorry I'm un unable to attend this special day for you and your family in person, although I trust you will know that I shall be thinking of you and remembering you all in prayer. This indeed is a special time, not only for you and for those whom you serve and who so desperately need to hear from you, but also for the one who sends you to them. It is not his will that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
through his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He has made a way of salvation, so whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As it says in Romans 10, verses 13 to 15, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things. Whether it realizes it or not, a lost world is in desperate need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In these wicked and troubled times in which we live, it is its only hope. Therefore, the ministry gift you carry is a gift from God, not for you, but for those he would save. It is precious and used wisely in obedience to the Holy Spirit and his leading. It is powerful. For the proper use of it carries with it eternal consequences whether men accept or reject the words you bring. As much as we rejoice with you that counties has accepted you in this role and that churches have agreed to support you in it, it is important that you always remember that we're only recognizing and acknowledging that which God has already ordained. We did not call you, neither did we give you your ministry gift, nor the talents and abilities you possess. These are given by the Lord, and it is him you must serve above all others. Therefore, Always be faithful unto him, do his bidding, seek to please him, be about his business. The demand of the ministry can be many and challenging, but remember his call is a simple one. Follow me. Therefore, always remember that you cannot lead others in the ways in his ways if you're not walking in them yourself. As Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. As you follow Christ and understanding how demanding ministry can be, as, as much as we look forward to supporting the work, you supporting the work of the local church, we undertake to support you. By God's grace, we will provide you with, all, with the things that you need, which will prove more important than fi- the finance we pledge. These are love, fellowship, friendship and encouragement, edification, amongst others. Remember, we are a body, we are his body, and however it may feel at times, you are not alone. As I commend you to your ministry, I do so without reservation. You do not require my recommendation. It is not I or we who are present uh, present you today as being suitable for approval or acceptance. I commend you today because I recognize 
that it is our Lord who presents you as being suitable for approval. And I acknowledge that through your love of him, justified by faith, redeemed by his precious blood, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you have been called to follow and serve him. We accept you today because you are already accepted. So accepted and sent by God, called by Christ, led by the Spirit, supported by the body, you have everything you need. And I can think of no better summation than the words of Paul to Timothy 2. In Timothy 2 verse 4 and verses 1 to 5. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, and as you do so, may God bless you and keep you always. Yours most sincerely, your brother in him, Austin Axum. You. I'm going to call on Mike to just say a few words in prayer. Father, we praise and exalt and glorify your name, Lord. And we are so encouraged today to be here to support Stevie and Natalie, Lord, in their future particularly. But Lord, it's, and it's encouraging to see what you've been doing in his life over these last years. And you've been preparing him for the role that you want him to do. So Lord, we commit them to you, Lord. Keep them bonded together as a couple, Lord that they may just be uh, close to you with your word and, and with the children, Lord, and just encourage and strengthen them. Provide all their needs. Lord, you know, it's, uh, it's a work of faith. They trust in you, and our whole trust has to be in you. We, know, we don't need to lean on our own understanding and pray that they will not, but, Lord, they may just rejoice. Blessed Stevie, Lord, in this time. And uh, we thank you for his ministry um, uh, in the past and now, Lord. And we give it all to you now in the glorious name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're going to have a time of open prayer now. I'm going to invite George to come up. There he is. Come on up, George. George's going to lead us in a time of open prayer just to be prayed for Stevie and Natalie and the family to seek the Lord's blessing upon them. Thank you, George. Well, let's, let's, let's pray together. We've, I don't know how long we've got, but let's not leave any, any long spaces. Uh, let's, let's, as many people pray as possible. I'll open. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you, Father, for the glorious gospel. We thank you, Father, that you've not left us in our sins and uh, far from you, but that you have provided salvation. We thank you, Father, that you sent the Lord Jesus Christ into the world to save sinners. We thank you, Father, that he lived that perfect life which we have failed to live, that he died upon the cross to pay for our sins, and that he rose from the dead the third day. And we thank you, Father, that Stevie has come to know the Lord Jesus Christ for himself, that by your grace he repented of his sins, and he put his trust in Christ, and he's been born again, and he's been saved by grace. And Father, we thank you that now you've called him, you've put it on his heart to tell others of this uh, glorious message, to call others to repent and believe and be saved. And Father, we, we do pray for Stevie. We pray that your good hand uh, will be upon him. Father, we pray that you'll give him strength. We pray, Father, that you'll keep him pure, that you'll keep him faithful to you. Father, we pray that you will fill him with your spirit and that you might use him for your glory. Father, we take the words of Paul to the Ephesians and we pray, loving Father, that you will uh, strengthen him with might by your spirit in the inner man. Father, that Christ may dwell in his heart by faith. Father, we pray that Stevie, being rooted and grounded in love, might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and breadth and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. And we pray, loving Father, that he might be filled with all the fullness of God. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
down to your diggings with him, if you answer the call that you're given him, the gifts that you're given to, and to fulfill his calling. Because most of all, as you said to your servants of old, that my presence will go with you. Oh, Father, may this be Stevie's experience. <coughs> me, the very presence of God, the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ with you, day by day. In all his uh, personal prayer and study, his preparation to speak of the glory of our Lord, <coughs> Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that you will bless him. And then that <coughs> word that he speaks will be abundantly fruitful. Seed in good ground, bearing good fruit, and bringing many sons to glory, many uh, men and women and children will bow the knee to our Lord Jesus Christ through the work that you have called him to do. So bless Stevie and Natalie and the family we pray. May they be conscious of your help and presence. Keep their hearts, Father, we ask, and preserve them from the attentions of the enemy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for the miracle of your saving grace. We thank you for intervening in Steve's life and for what you've done by your grace. And we thank you for him, for his humility. We pray you honor him, Lord, for his humility. We know that's one thing you 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 value is when we come to you in humility and repentance. And you honor that and you bless it. And there's no way. And so we pray that you will bless his ministry. We thank you for it, Lord. We pray you keep him safe and well. And Natalie and the children, we bless them in their home, bless the, their health and their education. And each of these children in due course will come to know the Lord Jesus. And they'll see him and their mother and their father. Lord, bless them so and we pray you really prosper his ministry that they all will see the Lord Jesus. Will he sense his voice as Steve talks to them and points them to the scriptures and to what Jesus has done. So just bless him, we pray, abundantly from this day on. Open other doors for him, we pray, according to your will and purpose. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
God, your word reminds us that one preaches, another prays and waters it with your through prayer, but it is you and you alone that gives any increase. Mm -hmm. And Lord, we just thank you again for our time here together this morning. We thank you for the testimony that we've heard from Stevie. Mm -hmm. We thank you for his positive call. Mm -hmm. And Lord, we know that this will stand in a good stead in the, in the difficult times that may come ahead, or that may come, and more than likely they will come, Lord because we know that uh, we're not immune from things that happen, negative things that happen in our lives. So Lord, we thank you for this time, and Lord, as we're here today to commend him to you, Lord, we pray you'll help us and remind us to pray for him and Natalie and the family on a regular basis we do pray. Lord, it's easy for us to say, yeah, we'll pray for you, but Lord, we pray that we might indeed pray for him on a regular basis. We do ask you, gracious God, and we do need your Holy Spirit to remind us of these things. For some of us are very short memories. And, uh, and, uh, and Lord, so we just commit this to you. And we commend them to you, gracious God, and to your grace. Lord, we thank you again for Martin's visit here today and for the work of Angie's. And we thank you, Lord, for the uh, encouragement that we heard from, from Martin. And we thank you for the work of Angie's, Lord. We thank you for the help they've been to Stevie over this training time. And, and his commitment to that. And Lord, we just thank you for the, the work, the ongoing work of counties. Thank you for the work in the schools, for the schools work. And pray, Lord, for your continued help and blessing. So Lord, we just want to praise and bless and worship your name today as we commit Stevie and Natalie to you and to the work to which you have called them. In Jesus' name, amen.
going to uh, just say that. Don't stop praying when you go from here this afternoon now, actually. But I'm going to pack it over to Martin now. He's going to share a few thoughts for us. Martin, thank you very much. Well, I promise uh, not to be uh, long. I think the most important thing is being able to pray for and encourage Stevie. But uh, I want to share a word uh, from Scripture. I'm going to read from Hebrews 12, from verses 25 to 29. And I want to encourage our hearts in contrasting a shaking world and an unshakable kingdom. A shaking world and an unshakable kingdom. The writer of the Hebrews writes, See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth. Now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. The words, once more, indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. We know that God will bless the reason of his word. Lovely to hear some accents where I didn't need translation during the prayer time. Uh, so uh, make myself known and... Uh, uh, we can uh, we can speak the language of heaven together. Um, well, it's been a strange few years, hasn't it? Uh, COVID. I mean, the pandemic very recent. It was the the pandemic and going through COVID really stirred our hearts to produce a book, uh, making Jesus known to and tomorrow. War in Europe still ongoing, not the main story on our screens by any means today. The death of a queen, the end of an era. Just just year, cost of living crisis, and now, of course, this crisis in Israel that has unfolded before us. There are moments in life when it is good to reevaluate, to stop, to pause, to ponder, to ask, what is happening? Where am I going in life? What am I doing? As Stevie reflected on whether he wanted to be on the deck chair or in the engine room, and responded to God's calling. My wife, Rachel, on our summer holiday each year, in her journal, she writes her reflections at the, sort of the end of a, of a year. We're, our last child is in uh, of three. We've got three daughters. Our last one is in her last year of A-levels. And then, the, um, God willing, she'll be off to university in the next year or so. Um, but our years still cycle on school years. Starts in September, ends with the summer. And uh, many of you probably still have that kind of mindset. And so in summer, my wife always journals, reflects, evaluates. It's a practice that she's had for many years. What's happening? Where am I going? What am I doing? Am I on target? I remember... Growing up in Gospel Hall in Northern Ireland, looking around at the uh, many folks who were there in the fellowship, and um, in a very judgmental, teenagery, passionate way, saying, "Lord, save me from midlife, middle-aged mediocrity." <laughs> it's the kind of prayer you pray when you're young. Yeah. 
looking at people who are older. Of course, I've kind of hit life, middle-aged mediocrity a little bit. And I have to do that re-evaluating. Lord, am I on target? That passion that I had for you when I was younger, is it still there? Lord, that desire to tell people about Jesus, am I still doing it? Not just telling others about it. The writer of the Chronicles in the Testament writes in 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32, From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives, and all these men understood the signs of the times and knew the course of action for Israel to take. So let's think just for a few moments about this world in which we live. And I want to encourage uh, Stevie and Natalie, but I want to encourage each of our hearts as it's been evident that we're, that we're united of one heart here to be gospel people, to be people who tell others about Jesus, to see salvation come in the lives of many, to make disciples. And there are two observations, I think, that became very clear through COVID, but I think are still right there on the surface in people's hearts and lives as we look around at those that we live amongst. Two observations. The first one is the evidence of fear. Fear. Uh, just talking... Um, with um, some of our office team and some of the other counties evangelists about the number numbers, the remarkable numbers of our young people who are going through periods of anxiety, depression, struggles and challenges with mental health. It's a it's an epidemic. It's very real. But it's it's pandemic. And during the pandemic of COVID, it was no fantasy or illusion that we imagined. The reality of death and the fragility of life came home to so many in our nations. Why were we locking ourselves in our homes? Because there was a fear of this death creeping on our streets, taking our loved ones, putting at risk the vulnerable and during that season, going for my daily walk, knowing that people were shut in, many fearful, was a surreal experience. Karen, my eldest daughter, who's a nurse in Swansea, on the day that war broke out in Ukraine last year, she was at home with us. And she looked at me tearfully and she said, why in my lifetime, Dad? All of this stuff, one thing after Another, she did her nurse training during the COVID pandemic and found it incredibly challenging. My younger brother came and preached in our fellowship at Queensway Chapel in Melksham last week. And uh, I took him out for lunch. My um, wife and Emily, our youngest, were away looking at a university and so foster. My brother and I went out for lunch and he said, we were just talking about the Israel crisis. And he said, he also has three daughters. He said, what a tough world for our children to grow up in. Now, I know my parents said that too, but folks, it's not got better, has it? Much more challenging. In our life group on Tuesday evening, Kelly, one of our younger ladies, said, it makes me afraid. And she is a believer. She loves the Lord, a baptized follower of Jesus. You see, God has indeed set eternity in the human heart. Isn't that wonderful? 
God has set eternity in the human heart. And so when we preach the message of Jesus, when Stevie goes on the street with his team or on the doors, or as you step out to share Jesus with your loved ones, families, neighbors, work colleagues, or friends, God has already placed eternity in the heart of the person who's going to be living. There is, however, deeply buried or stuffed under by other things it may be, there is a reality in human hearts that we are answerable to something more, that there is some greater purpose for which we have been made and designed. And of course, as believers in the Lord Jesus, we know that we're made for his glory, made in his image. And his purpose is that no one should perish. So even as lockdown eased and restrictions were relaxed, many were still fearful. And churches have experienced that fear even as we've watched those who even now haven't returned. There are moments in generations when such events shake us and force us to reflect on meaning and purpose and existence. It's well known that people are more open to meaning life questions when they go through significant life challenges or change. And uh, those include loss, bereavement, serious illness, the birth of children, moving house, redundancy, the change of job or career, retirement, key life-turning moments when people are open to discover purpose and to hear something of the gospel of Jesus. However, for these crises to happen on a national or global scale is rare. The Cuban Missile Crisis in the 1960s and the threat then of nuclear war certainly got people thinking about the possibility of Armageddon and the end times. And the church upped its game on the preaching of the second coming of Jesus. We seem to have lost our way on that, don't we? Jesus is coming again. We've got a, 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 one of our life group is a guy called Joe. Joe is a farmer in his 60s who's uh, uh, turned much of his farm into a glamping site. I had um, two weeks ago, we had our life group in the trip house on the glamping site, which was just tremendous. Uh, he said, there's no one booked in, come and, come and we'll all go up to the tree house. And there we were in the tree house. But, you know, three years ago, Joe was nowhere with the Lord. His wife was a believer. Joe had a Church of England background. He joined our online Alpha course. In fact, once Monday morning after our online church service during COVID, Joe tuned in to the Zoom call after the pre-recorded element of the service. And... Um, he said, hi, Martin, my name's Joe. And there were just a few of us in the chat room. My name is Joe. He said, you don't know me, but I know you. I've been listening to you for six months, watching our online service. He said, tell me what the Alpha course is. So I explained to him, we were doing it online on a Tuesday evening. And he said, I'll be there. Well, in his house, he was there, but uh, he was there on Zoom. And uh, he saw that picture that Nicky Gumbel uses, the uh, light of the world, Jesus standing knocking on the door with the overgrown weeds and thorns and thistles growing in the outside, no handle on the outside. The only way for it to be opened was for the occupant to open the door and let Jesus, the light, come in. And Jesus is knocking, and Joe said to me in our small group on the Zoom Alpha course, Martin, I saw a picture, a copy of that picture 20 years ago. 
and I'd forgotten all about it. I thought of buying it for Izzy, his wife, who was a believer and was on the course. I'd thought of buying it for her, but then I discovered it was too much, so I didn't buy it. He said, but I guess I've just realized, watching this Alpha course today, that Jesus has been knocking at my life's door for 20 years. I've never let him in. And he's let Jesus in. You know, he's reading the book of Revelation at the moment. And it was him who was saying, it's going to be okay, Kelly. Jesus has got it in hand. You should read the book of Revelation. Jesus has got it in hand. And we have hope. And isn't that a wonderful message to bring in the light of fear? In the light of fear that our world is facing. Let's preach the whole gospel. Let's preach the certainty of the return of Christ. Let's preach that God has got it in hand. Things are not out of control. He is King Kings and Lord of Lords. And then my second of two observations <coughs> is this. The first one is fear was evident. But secondly, the gods of this age were proven to be fragile. Were proven to be fragile. Everything that everyone depended on in the Western world was ripped away from them. Finance, shopping, sport, entertainment, all of the security that was there was shaken. And folks, it's being shaken again and again through the Ukrainian war, through the uh, cost of living crisis, through the horrific things that are unfolding, have unfolded in Israel and in the days still to come. People have discovered that what they depended on was not dependable. I remember sitting in my lounge a few years ago in Hereford, sharing with a guy who hadn't come and still, as far as I know, has not come to faith in Christ. And I was um, challenging him. And he said, well, the problem is I don't have faith. And I said, yes, you do. He was a very self-sensed man. His marriage was on the rocks. Things were breaking up around him. I said, you do have faith. You have incredible faith. He said, well, I, well, I don't. I said, you do in you. And you're one of the least trustworthy people I know. And he smiled. He said, well, you're right there. I said, but you trust you. You don't trust anyone else. You trust you. And you're not reliable even to yourself. And I went into the kitchen. I brought him to our spice rack. And I took out a mustard seed. And I wrapped it in a tissue. And I said, just place that in your pocket. You may pull the tissue out one day and it'll fly off in the wind. But that's all God's asking you to place in him. Faith is a mustard seed. Isn't the gospel amazing? Isn't it wonderful that it's done, it's finished, it's paid for, it's complete, it's offered as a gift? Why would we not want to preach this message? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the stronghold of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Folks, there is a spiritual hunger in the world today. People have faced fear and didn't know what to do with it. They have seen their strongholds ripped down, their certainties pulled away, and there is a door for the gospel, perhaps like we have not had in generations for many years. There's a spiritual hunger, and people are looking for God. 
People are looking for God, and you and I have the good news of Jesus. So let me just say to Stevie, Natalie, and to all of us here, we live in a world that's being shaken. But it's God who's doing the shaking. And why is he doing the shaking? So that people might see that what they depended on is broken, is useless, is empty. And so that they might discover that the only unshakable certainty is God's kingdom and its king, Jesus, the one that we pray to and the one in whom we put our trust. The things that can be shaken are being shaken to their very roots. They will not last. They're not eternal, nor are they a secure foundation for people to build their lives on. Rather, we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What a day we live in. What a season to offer the security and unshakable hope of a life built on Jesus. May God help us, encourage us, challenge us to step out into this great opportunity with the good news of Jesus in our hands. God bless you. Thanks, Dave. So we've come to end of our time here this morning. There are refreshments in a minute, so don't feel you have to rush off. I'm not too sure what the arrangements will be for the refreshments. Are they coming out? Or we, yeah, the refreshments will be coming out to you in due course. Just a couple of practical things to mention. If you would like to support Steve prayerfully or practically, there are, as you probably see, plenty of leaflets around. Uh... On the back, there's a thing you can fill in if you want to support Stevie financially. If you want to um, receive Stevie's newsletter by email, you can talk to him. Or put in a little card on the back and put them in the boxes. They will get sorted out for you. And if you want to find out how you can support Stevie in other ways, financially, Lawson Jury is the man to talk to. There he is over there. Lawson is the man to talk to. He will be able to direct you in the right way. Thank you, Lawson. So we have got a closing song, which will be Go Forth and Tell the Church. So we'll stand and sing, and by that time, I'm sure the refreshments will be on the way. Okay, thank you.
yourself down, folks. Just to say that um, a couple of people have mentioned Stevie's support group. Um, uh, originally it was myself, John and Lawson. Kay's now joined us, but look, we are after other people to be part of this group who supports Stevie. If that's something which you would like to do, just have a chat with us. The more people we have supporting Stevie, the better. Uh, in a moment, there are going to be some tables coming out for the food, but let me know, just close in prayer and give thanks for the refreshments. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. Thank you, Father, that we've been able to be here and be part of this time of commending Stevie and Natalie into your hands. Father, we ask your blessing upon them, uplift them and encourage them. No, Father, we thank you for the food provided. Bless it to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.